The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Oh, it's very common to find ourselves in a relationship with the practice that's characterized by uh, trying to make something happen or trying to control uh, or make, make the practice unfold. It can be very, very easy and very tempting for our minds to, to try hard to, for, for instance, to let go. And perhaps you can, you can sense the futility, the kind of paradoxical nature of trying hard to, to let go. Trying hard to let things be just as they are. And the, the way that the, the Buddha understood uh, our minds and the way that our minds move from patterns of stress and suffering to patterns and ways of being that are characterized by greater ease, greater peace, greater well-being, is that this is simply a natural process that stress and suffering, they arise when the conditions that they depend on are present. And on the other hand, well-being and happiness and peace and love arise when the conditions that support them are present. And the practice itself, the unfolding of the practice itself is a natural process. Dhamma or Dharma, um, one of the meanings of is, is simply nature. Another meaning is uh, natural law, the laws that govern uh, our human experience, the laws that govern our, our human universe. And the Buddha's insight into the nature of our human experience, our our subjective human universe, so much of it had to do with with, uh, what's often called conditionality, that things arise in dependence upon other causes and conditions. And so the way that this in in informs our practice is or one of the ways this informs our practice is that when we realize that that our our job our our practice is actually just to create to cultivate the conditions that support the natural unfolding of the practice then we can simply do that simply practice in a way that puts those conditions in place and then get out of the way and really let the practice unfold naturally. Well, I'd like to share um, 
some suttas, suttas or discourses of the Buddha um, that that speak to this. Uh, And one of them is called uh, Making a Wish. And in this, the, the Buddha says, Practitioners, an ethical person who has fulfilled ethical conduct need not make a wish. May I have no regrets. It's only natural that an ethical person has no regrets. And when you have no regrets, you need not make a wish. May I feel joy. It's only natural that joy springs up when you have no regrets. When you feel joy, you need not make a wish. May I experience rapture. It's only natural that rapture arises when you're joyful. When your mind is full of rapture, you need not make a wish. May my body become tranquil. It's only natural that your body becomes tranquil when your mind is full of rapture. And on and on going through from rapture to bliss, from bliss to being immersed in samadhi. Samadhi is this uh, continuity of present moment awareness of experience that's supported by by the body feeling tranquil and the body feeling the body and mind feeling happy feeling feeling pleasant feeling contented and he says it's only natural for the mind to be immersed in samadhi when you feel happiness and when your mind is immersed in samadhi, you need not make a wish. May I truly know and see the way things are. It's only natural to truly know and see when your mind is immersed in samadhi. And this progression continues on. When, when your mind is immersed in samadhi, you naturally truly know and see. When you, tr- when you truly know and see, you naturally become disenchanted. Disenchanted and dispassionate towards experience. No longer pulled into craving and aversion in response to what arises in our experience. And when you're disillusioned and dispass- dispassionate and disenchanted, you need not make a wish. May... I realize the knowledge and vision of freedom. It is only natural to realize the knowledge and vision of freedom when you are disillusioned, disenchanted, and dispassionate. So starting with the simplicity of what's often called the the, the one of the, the three pillars of Ethical, ethical conduct, this training in ethical conduct. And this is not to make ourselves righteous or um, worthy or, you know, it's not a, not a, a moral judgment of good or bad. It's, it's really a natural understanding that when we act out of, out of greed, out of aversion or ill will, that actually tends to cause us distress. But I'm sure you've all tasted this. When you act either outwardly or inwardly, 
out of generosity, out of kindness, out of compassion, out of a, a movement of simplicity or contentment, that this naturally gives rise to a very wholesome sense of well-being and happiness. In, in Buddhism, actions are uh, of three kinds, of body, of speech, and of mind. So even just having an inward orientation of gentleness or kindness or generosity or well-wishing, maybe of ourselves, maybe of others, this is an ethical action. And so you can see in your own experience how this naturally gives rise to a sense of well-being. And this sense of well-being naturally gives rise to the mind settling. And when the mind settles, the mind is ripe for insight, for understanding, for really seeing the nature of our experience in a way that unhooks us from cycles of, of stress and suffering. I'd like to share another, another sutta in which the Buddha really emphasizes again that it's not our, our wish that something happens that makes it happen, but rather that the, the underlying conditions that support it are put in place. So here's a story, uh, the, an image that the Buddha gives. Um, he says, as uh, for for us as practitioners, he says that you know one one might wish that if only my mind was freed from defilements and grasping, but if they are not committed to the development of the practice, then even if they wish to be free, their mind is not freed from defilements and freed from grasping. And why is that? Because they haven't developed the practice. So uh, he gives uh, an analogy. So suppose there was a chicken with a clutch of eggs, but, but she had not properly sat on them to keep them warm and incubated. That chicken might wish, if only my chicks could break out of the eggshell with their claws and beak and hatch safely. But... They can't break out and hatch safely. Why is that? Because that chicken with her clutch of eggs has not properly sat on them to keep them warm and incubated. And yet, on the other hand, when a practitioner is committed to developing these wholesome qualities of mind, they might not even have the wish, if only my mind was free from the defilements and grasping, even if they don't wish for it, if they have cultivated the practice, their mind will be freed from defilements and grasping. And why is that? Because they have developed the practice. And gives the analogy again. Suppose there was a chicken with a clutch of eggs, and she properly sat on them to keep them warm and incubated. 
that chicken might not wish. If only my chicks could break out of the eggshell with their claws and beak and hatch safely. But they still can break out and hatch safely. And why is that? Because she has properly sat on them to keep them warm and incubated. So this really points uh, beautifully to me to the the possibility of simply committing ourselves to to the practice in a way where we we trust that we are sowing the seeds of of greater happiness and freedom in in this moment and in the future without being so uh, tied up in perhaps a stressful uh, kind of struggling and wish intense wishing and striving to be free. How, maybe you know this in your own experience. How is it? How is it when when you're you're struggling and really really wanting to be free? Does that support the sense of natural natural movement towards release? Or perhaps you know times in your own experience, in your own practice, when um, you just have the simple trust that you you just take the next step and, and know that taking the next step is moving you along in the direction that you want to go. And this is a, a gradual process. It's not something that we necessarily see happening uh, in an obvious way, moment to moment, or day day by day, even. And in this same sutta, the Buddha gives another another image to illustrate this. He says that uh, suppose a carpenter, a carpenter or their apprentice, sees the marks of their fingers and thumb on the handle of their tool. So you can imagine a tool that's been used for years will, uh, with a wooden handle, will naturally eventually start to take the shape of the hand. You'll see where the fingers press in will be um, worn, worn a little bit, so it'll fit the hand. So he says um, that they see the marks of their fingers and thumb on the handle of their tool. They don't know how much of the handle was worn away today or how much was worn away yesterday or how much previously. They just know what has been worn away. In the same way, when a practitioner is committed to development, they don't know how much of the the defilements were worn away today, how much yesterday and how much previously. They just know what has been worn away. So here the defilements is a maybe an unfortunate translation for the three unwholesome roots of greed, aversion, and delusion. So this image of, of this gradual path, this gradual wearing away of the, the roots of of stress and suffering and the and hand in hand with that the gradual sowing of the seeds and developing the roots and the source of 
true happiness and, and well-being. This is a gradual process. We can't necessarily see after a day of practice, oh yeah, I really made progress today. And yet when you look back over, over years, you can see how your mind has been shaped, has been transformed, and uh, the stream of your mind has been um, positively um, conditioned in the direction of well-being. And then uh, I'll share briefly just share from another another sutta here, and then uh, open it up for some discussion. Um, this is a sutta where the Buddha went to check on uh, three of his senior disciples, uh, Anuruddha, Nandia, and Kimbila, who were all practicing together. Um, and he asked them how they were living together in a secluded, in a secluded um, kind of sanctuary and, and practicing together every day. And he went to check on them to see how they were and how they're getting along. And he said, I hope that you're living in harmony, appreciating each other without quarreling, blending like milk and water, and regarding each other with kind eyes. And they respond, indeed, sir, we do live like this. And he said, so how do you live like this? They say that we think every day, I'm so very fortunate to live together with spiritual companions such as these. I consistently treat my my spiritual companions with kindness by way of body, speech, and mind, both in public and in private. And they they go into detail all the ways that they're being kind and generous and thoughtful for each other, all the ways that they're appreciating each other. And the Buddha says, good, good. Um, and so and so how is the practice unfolding? Are you are you uh, are you reaping? Are you getting to taste any of the fruits of the practice? And they respond, of course, how could we not? And they go on to list some of the fruits of the practice that they're, that they're getting to experience. So this, of course, how could we not? Is coming, the, the fruits of the practice flowing naturally out of this foundation of kindness, of appreciating the wholesome of living together and in harmony with generosity, with care, and saying that, oh, of course, this is leading to the fruits of the practice ripening. So again, just uh, another pointing to the, 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 the practice as a natural process, that when we just Put in the put in place the conditions. Maybe maybe just simply cultivating the intentions of 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 non greed or non aversion. Uh, in the positive, this could be generosity. This could be kindness. This could be um, contentment. Kind of a renunciation. The putting down of that which we we know is not essential to our happiness. The simplification of renunciation. Um, even just meeting our experience 
with awareness. Just, just meeting our experience with awareness, knowing it as it is, not trying to, to control or change. This is also introducing these foundational conditions for the practice to unfold. So it's very simple, very simple. And we just engage with the practice and the rest unfolds naturally in its own time. All we have to do is start and continue. And if we just continue, it will unfold and ripen into freedom in its own time, very naturally. So I wanted to offer this as a reflection and wanted to open open the space for any reflections that you might have on this theme, anything that you've noticed in your own practice related to this, or perhaps any questions or objections. Please, any anything at all. You're welcome to unmute and, and ask or, or raise your hand. Thank you for, for sharing. Uh, uh, this, this is my first time here, but I yeah, I really appreciated some of the information. Thank you. You just shared and it was, uh, it, it made me, I think um, something I've been thinking about is, is just uh, how, I don't know, a lot of society, a lot of times are very goal oriented. And so a lot of what we do is like focused on, you know, I'm getting somewhere, I'm getting to the end point of, of a journey. And I think, uh, yeah, a lot of times with meditation, I, I catch myself a lot of times like wanting to change specific things or wanting a specific thing to happen. Um, and I, and then even pushing that away is also kind of like a wanting something to change as well. So it's, it's, yeah, interesting, interesting thoughts, a lot of stuff to think about for sure. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the the comment and the observation. Um, that's, it's great to see the the ways in which um, sometimes there's an an unhelpful relationship to goals that feels um, kind of tight or striving. Um, and yeah, again, when that when there's a trying to get rid of that, that can also just be um, another another kind of. Uh, manifestation of a, a way of being with experience that that perhaps doesn't doesn't quite help. So that's one of the things we really we really learn in this practice is how to incline our minds in the direction of um, the direction of that which is really beneficial. Because in a way, there is this goal of of the ending of stress and suffering. And yet, how do we relate to goals in a way that doesn't cause stress and suffering? Perhaps it can be in, in we know the direction we're moving in, and yet be in relationship to where we are now with, with peace and ease. And yeah, so thank you. Thank you for that um, comment and observation. I see a, a comment in the in the chat. Uh, so I'll read this out. It says, 
there's something observing that the mind is always craving, doing and struggling all the time. I can't stop the mind, just witness. Yes, yeah, that's, um, that's a, that sounds like a very skillful way of, of relating to the mind. The, the, the mind's deeply conditioned nature is to try to control, to identify with, to struggle, to want pleasant experiences, to, to, to try to push away unpleasant experiences. And this is a big part of what we, we learn about. We, we get to, to see and understand in our practice. And so just having, um, cultivating a relationship to the mind and its, its patterns, its conditioned patterns, um, that actually allows for it to be just as it is and for it to not, to not add, add struggle to it. Yeah. So, so that can be, yeah, like you said, just witnessing, there can be so much learning and opening and, and, and freedom that comes through just witnessing, just observing, being curious about the natural patterning of our minds. We really come to see how, how stress and dissatisfaction are created in our minds. And when this is really understood, it actually releases and gets uprooted. So yeah, great, great. Thanks for the comment. Yeah, and just wanted to to add to that um, that there there's a there are really a myriad of of beautifully skillful ways of practicing that that uh, the Buddha taught. Some things are really appropriate at, at some times, or for some some situations, or for some people. At other times, maybe it's something else. So so you know. Sometimes just just knowing, just witnessing is actually most of the time that's that's really enough. And and sometimes when we're really struggling, it can be helpful to to bring in to 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 bring in um perhaps a an orientation of kindness or of compassion or or just um, kind of expanding the field of our awareness so that we're, our minds aren't glomming on to that, which is uh, distressing. So there are ways that we can kind of support um, support the practice. But most of the time, if we're able to just just be with it, to just know it as it is, with some some degree of balance, some degree of um, just having it be okay, then that will that will really unfold into a um, just like this these suttas are pointing to really continue to unfold into deeper and deeper levels of well-being in the path. So thank you all very much for your your practice, your presence. It's lovely lovely to be with you in this way and um uh and i'm i'm also happy to uh 
um, to stick around if there are any lingering questions, but um, I will formally close the, the, the meeting with just a brief dedication of merit. May the, the goodness of our practice and our time together, may that ripple out and be of benefit to all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings everywhere have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all beings everywhere have peace and the causes of peace. And may all beings everywhere be free.